0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to direct xbox number 14 and what what an episode we have here after the build-up and then the climax with the podcast that they held and then the disappointment afterwards i i feel like we were bracing for you know like the you might have a weather report come through and they're telling you i'm saying this because we're about to get a bunch of snow (laughs) apparently tonight and tomorrow but uh I, they tell you it's going to be like the second apocalypse or something happening where you're going to like feet of snow and then you wake up the next day and there it, it had like rained or something the night before and that was it. I kind of feel like that's what happened. We we're expecting mayhem to ensue. And then. It was kind of boring, <laughs> but there there was still a lot to pick out from this business update event i had to bring nate back obviously here the co-host of the show after uh, it was a big week for you too now i'm thinking about it then even going back to the last podcast there was quite a bit of back and forth so nate you walk you're walking in with the arms swinging how are we doing over there
1: it was definitely an interesting week for xbox and i think due to a lot of the hyperbole that we saw online leading up to this event where you had the rumors and discussions that Microsoft was exiting the hardware industry and how they were going to come forth and announce change to the Game Pass sequence and potentially remove day one games from Game Pass, that maybe you could say this event was a disappointment, but it feels as though it went pretty much exactly how we were anticipating it would go when our last episode aired two weeks ago. This was just going to be them outlining some of their multi-plat ambitions and really nailing down that discussion point of we're still in the hardware industry. We are going to be competing with Sony and the PlayStation 6 next gen. We have plans. We have a vision for what our future is. We just have a slight shift of strategy, which they did detail and we will discuss in this episode, But I could see where some people were expecting that doomsday type conference, and ultimately they walked away saying, well, that was a bunch of nothing. Though in reality, it was quite meaningful what Microsoft relayed to people during that business briefing. It just didn't live up to so much of the hyperbole that we saw on Twitter and on other social media platforms because it was never going to be that, but you had a lot of emotions They were running high, especially on Twitter and in Twitter space conversations. And yeah, ultimately it was here comes that doomsday blizzard and you ended up with just a flurry.
0: We got we got a lot still to go over, though. There were I will say there were a few things in that podcast that surprised me, Nate, that I'll I'll bring up here because I think there are some interesting pieces of discussion coming out of that, especially when it comes to hardware. But. I do want to take a moment. I, I want to I want to recognize some of the the producers, executive producers over on the Patreon, the spawncastnetwork.com, com, where if you want to support the show, you can go over there. And uh, we have a lot of really cool stuff coming up, as we just announced that we're going to be doing a retro series starting up and the first two games we're covering half-life two and then twin snakes kind of splitting up a bit so we're gonna have a couple of us on each game but those are the two leading uh leading vote getters in the polls that we did for that going back to 2004 picking out some games so that that's gonna be a lot of fun and then mvg had his ask a developer go up pretty recently as well that's over on the the spawncast patreon just want to recognize we have trent a william Hogue, mr joby joshua butts john o achievement and our sponsor who's been sticking with us now for a few months the game orb they are linked down below make sure you check them out kinds of good gaming content as well as uh, tours and different things of events shows and this year i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of those back full swing so you'll probably see the game orb giving people tours and stuff of different events so make sure you check them out they are linked down below shout out to the game orb so i i mostly nate i feel like i wanted to just spend the next hour or so going over all the little bits and pieces that came out from this podcast. And then if we have some time, we could talk a little bit about the tomb Raider remastered collection. Cause I, I know you picked it up and I played around with it a, a, a bit. So I, I have a few thoughts for a few thoughts, few thoughts, but let's see. I, I went, I, I did go back because I did like the news stuff on it as well. And I tried to pick out bits and pieces, some of the more interesting parts of it, I guess, but it did come down to them announcing that they would be moving some games over to other platforms and that they would be sticking around as a, as a gaming company as well. So we can still expect hardware game pass is still front and center, but this didn't seem to surprise you at all. Nate, the idea of four games, because I feel like you said that before.
1: Yes. Um, in the days leading up to it, I had, there was some reports that were coming, I believe it was The Verge, who at the time reported three games. It was Pentiment, Sea of Thieves, and Hi-Fi Rush, and I had made some comments saying, well, three of the four games I know that are going multi-platform have now been reported, and one was still being omitted. That fourth game has now been reported, also by The Verge, and that game is grounded. So those will be the starting four for Microsoft in terms of multi-plat releases.
0: How do we feel about those four? Okay, so we have Hi Fi Rush, expected. Sea of Thieves, expected. Mm-hmm. Pentiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Pentiment's moving the needle. I'll be right. I'll be, I know you like Pentiment, Nate. I don't think anyone's great like, game. oh my gosh, Pentiment's finally coming. <laughs> it's a great game. I'm not, okay, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying it's not, it's, 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 yeah. it's not going to have impact where you're like, oh, i can't believe this it was i thought i thought it might be halo that would break the internet but nope it's pentiment it's here yeah (laughs) Uh, i mean yeah
1: pentiment's gonna be a very oh okay
0: and then grounded which Mm -hmm. of those four it sounds funny to say this the one that i think could see the most success is is sea of thieves
1: Yeah, Sea of Thieves, I think, has the most gain out of that initial four. I mean, Hi-Fi Rush will do exceptionally well when it comes to other platforms like the PlayStation, whereas Sea of Thieves, it really blossomed when it came to PC. That is when you saw a surge in user activity and the install base just exploded. And potentially, maybe Grounded also sees a similar trajectory, as Grounded is very different in terms of genre type and because it's kind of that survive I guess you'd call it a survival game that that caters to a very specific audience as well and maybe the PlayStation base will have interest in that game it's really hard to gauge but absolutely Sea of Thieves is the title that I think has the most to gain and I think will be the most lucrative of this initial offering
0: yeah, that, any of these live service games that need monthly active users to come through, it, they're just going to gain quite a bit from being on PlayStation. And I don't—I assume the only one that right now that I am pretty confident will be going to Switch is Pentiment. But I, I guess Hi-Fi Rush could mm-hmm. surprise people. Although uh, there's been discussion and talks about how well that would run currently on the Switch, since that has to—that requires a very Steady and expected frame rate is what I'll say for a rhythm-based game. Uh, that Hi-Fi Rush is interesting. That one might be, I think that's a good one for their next, Nintendo's next-gen system being there at launch. Uh, I, I think that would be the move if they were planning mm-hmm. one way or the other for it.
1: Yeah, a title like Hi-Fi Rush at launch of a Switch 2, I think would be very beneficial for both the hardware and Microsoft as a publisher because you have that hunger and... You want a new experience, especially at a launch window. If you throw something like Hi-Fi Rush there, I think a lot of people would pick that up as maybe their second or third game on new hardware, even though it'd already be available on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation months prior, or even well over a year prior. But it's just that game that has, it has, I guess you say, a very strong appeal due to the visuals and just the general tone of it. It has a nostalgia factor to it, it's just a pleasant game to play through, and I think you could make the argument that due to the popularity of Nintendo, especially in Japan, that that market could really resonate with a game like Hi-Fi Rush. So if it is to come to a Nintendo platform, I think the Switch 2 within that launch window would be the right move for Microsoft to make.
0: They move. Do you think they move with a physical copy as well?
1: That's really hard to say because we've seen how Microsoft has approached physical releases. And... Mm-hmm. When we look at these four games, the only one that has a physical release is, what, Sea of Thieves? And that's yes. dating back what? to the Xbox One release?
0: Yeah, it's because, it, I mean, it, it, Sea of Thieves been around for a long time. That's really why.
1: Yeah, so I'd love for Microsoft to bring a retail version of all these games, regardless of platform. But that's hmm. definitely a to-be-determined type scenario at this case.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that one. I mean, they, they basically outlined it. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to some of the, the people here in the live chat. Thanks for coming out, hanging out with us. Got Anthony Smith in there. I see Medallion's hanging out. Sean Wolkowski is in there. So thank, thanks, guys, for coming out and hanging out with us as we go over the business update from Microsoft. I I did notice, though, that the way they framed this, they were very careful making sure that people understood that this wasn't going to be a moment where everything was going to start going to other platforms. I mean, they they zoomed in, and Phil gave the whole spiel about uh, don't read beyond these four games. And then they were asked specifically up front, Nate, what about Starfield? What about Indiana Jones? And they said, no, those, those are not coming. They followed up in an interview later on, but people, I think, made a bigger deal out of that than they should because it was basically – so the way you're supposed to talk with PR in general, especially if you're ahead of a division like this, you don't speak necessarily in absolutes because you're on you're either on camera or you're in writing saying that, and it usually can come back to haunt you. So it you leave the door open just in case. And he's basically like, I mean, who knows what's gonna happen in 10 years, but right now, hey, Starfield and Indiana Jones not going to other platforms, which is interesting, Nate, because can you, can you just – look, this is going to come up, Nate. Can you explain to the good people here what happened? Because you you were – at first, you went along with the report mm-hmm. from Xbox Era. And then I'll say you were like the one – you you got some backlash for it, obviously, because, look, we, we saw the discourse. Not even just – I mean, you were kind of part of it because, like, your name was with some of the reports. We saw the discourse online. You were spared from the 30-plus hours of Twitter spaces. But – Uh, I mean, you were thrown into the fire a bit there after saying that, but it turns out you were uh, were on point with it.
1: Yeah, it was really a case of, I had a few reliable contacts who came forth and they had said to me, Starfield is under more than this consideration that it seemed as though it was going to go multi-plat, but they didn't have confidence that it would necessarily be announced at this event. It would be something in the long term. Hmm. After I put the tweet out there, supporting the original article and report I had heard from multiple other contacts who came to me and said, well, this may not be the case. And over the days leading up to my retraction, it just became more and more coming out saying this isn't going to happen. So, you know, recant that if you can. And I even had a couple say there's a fairly decent shot. Microsoft is going to come out during this briefing and specifically mentioned Starfield as one of the titles, not going multi And that was enough for me to say, okay, maybe the initial information did have merit. Maybe there was consideration and discussion at a point, but it seems as though that is not in their immediate plans. So that's when I had to come out and say, this is just me retracting what I've previously said. I just, I don't have confidence that this is going to be the case. And as we saw with the briefing itself, they did make that very specific mention that Starfield is not among those first four going multi And as you said, they can't make an absolute and say, it will never happen. We don't know where the industry will be in three or five years. And if they ever did bring it multi let's say in five years, people would go back to that clip and say, oh, you're a liar. So that was them you know, covering their base. But that's basically what happened there with me. It was just Maybe the initial information was correct, but as the days went on, it seemed as though that may not be the case, and I had to retract.
0: Okay. I I feel like somewhere within Microsoft, a boardroom, they had the whiteboard up, and they were just going through different games and crossing them all for putting them up on the board and maybe at one point they did have starfield up there maybe at one point gears of war was was on the floor and they were thinking about putting it up. I, i feel like the discussions obviously happen and i do wonder if what we're seeing right now is more of a compromise between we assume right now within microsoft there's a bit of a push pull between two different philosophies as to how they should Increase revenue after spending nearly a hundred billion dollars total buying all these studios and and i'm sure on one end of the spectrum they're like let's just put everything everywhere who cares and on the other side they're like well hold on there's a there is exclusivity as a value with these consoles and we don't necessarily want to just blow right through that so i kind of feel like the way that they framed this nate was we're gonna test the waters with these four games and just see what happens because remember Sony also has to kind of play ball here a bit too because technically they could bury these in the store or not advertise it at all, or who knows what could happen there. But like I feel like Microsoft before they paint themselves into a corner as we're just putting this everywhere everything everywhere. Let's see what happens when we do Sea of Thieves and like a hi-fi rush and a few others, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to start with this initial four and you're going to see how they do. They are the barometer. They are the testing ground for any future ambitions. And as they kind of said in the briefing, we're giving games that have seen as though they hit their limit in terms of Game Pass appeal or their live service games. So anything that's going to come in the future, it could be older titles once again. And I'm strictly talking about as far as, you know, Xbox Game Studios games go. When it comes to future ABK titles, that's a whole different conversation. But Microsoft is, this is their test. They want to see how these games are received. If all four come out and they all do terrible, then Microsoft is very unlikely to approach this with another round of games. They need to see success here if they're going to continue it. Because this is a way for them to make money. This is a way for them to survive beyond their box. So it has to bear fruit. And if it ends up being barren, there's no reason to continue to plant seeds in an infertile landscape. So it's going to be interesting how they, how the games are really received, how well they sell and just the general reception that these initial offerings have on multi-plat. So if Sea of Thieves is a big success, you as Microsoft are going to look at other service games that you now have in your library and say, okay, Let's bring that over. And it could even expand beyond something like a service game. Let's just use Killer Instinct as an example.
0: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
1: Because like the fighting game community really isn't that big on the Xbox. but No,
0: they're really on PlayStation.
1: Right. And now if you are Microsoft and let's just say you greenlit a new Killer Instinct game, You're going to want that in the hands of as many players as possible. You want to have that EVO presence. You want the fighting game community to latch on because you want that player base. So that's a title that just feels naturally. You'd want to go multi-platform in the future. And they can say, well, this is that live service game. And it wouldn't harm them in any way because let's face it, a fighting game is never a hardware mover, but they want that base. They want to have people engaged. And that would be a smart move for them, because as people looked at this initial four, people were recognizing, hey, Sea of Thieves could have a lot of potential on PlayStation. Grounded has potential. Hi-Fi Rush has decent selling potential on other platforms. Pentiment is really the only one left out there. And I believe Phil Spencer even said, these were titles that, when made, were never made with the or the state of mind to make them exclusive.
0: Right you know to that point do you think with this idea of multi-plat being a potential like a possibility when we'll say development starts and they maybe they come up with a little vertical slice that's missing some textures pre-alpha they they pitch it to Phil Spencer or Matt Booty whoever right whoever's making the rounds at the time but they do you think the idea of multi-platform at least floating out there like hey this game would do really well if we also included X, Y, or Z platform. Do you think that's something that could maybe get a few games even greenlit that wouldn't otherwise? Like it has to be just for an Xbox audience, but if we can leverage multi-platform, would it be possible to do Banjo, for example, a Banjo Kazooie game? We'll just say that, right? A Banjo game because obviously that a three D platformer like that would do well on Nintendo system. That we Mm -hmm. feel like Uh, if you go to the boss and they're like, Hey, I I got this idea for this really good 3d platformer. I feel like if Nintendo was able to be brought into the fold on that, it would, it would help greenlight something there.
1: I think for select projects, that would definitely be a case of leverage because now you can view it as that case of, Hey, we're making game X, Y, Z. And our intent is to bring it to the switch Two or the PlayStation where we know they have an audience for this game and we're still going to position it as day one on game pass on xbox and then if it's day and date with that other platform that's okay that's revenue that's money that's going to help cover the cost of development and put extra money in your pocket on top of that game pass revenue that you're getting from that base so i think in select cases they absolutely will evaluate certain games as let's green light this because we're going to bring it multi-plat And that's a fine way of doing business because Xbox would still have that advantage. It's day one on game pass and it's essentially free to the Xbox user while the other platforms would have to invest whatever the MSRP would be and buy the game outright.
0: Hmm. Oh, oh, Nate, did you see Georgie? Georgie's here. Hey, shout out to Georgie coming through. Georgie came back. Stop stop ducking, Nate. Xbox is dead now. Can't stand it. How are they they dead? They just well, committed they
1: have, to next gen hardware. <laughs>
0: we'll, get, we'll get to that then. Georgia says most of the RPG is on PlayStation. Why isn't Starfield about on PlayStation Day One? They say Street Fighter V was a system seller, which uh, I don't know that that Street Fighter V didn't sell so well, Georgie, when it first came out. And in fact, it was it uh, years of, before it was anyone, dunked on constantly. Yeah,
1: it took a long uh, time before anyone really went to Street Fighter V.
0: They say Xbox now has Street Fighter 6 now Killer Instinct 2 should be multi-plat. <laughs> Dog poop idea, Nate. <laughs> but I will say Georgie, I I feel like you're going to see some RPGs. Well, I mean, people already argue about if it's an, actually an RPG, especially with Square Enix here. I think you're going to see more of those RPGs start to show up on Xbox, especially from Square with that partnership. So I don't know, I don't know. You might might not be so much just all PlayStation for some of those RPGs here in a bit. I mean, you got Final Fantasy 14 showing up soon. Maybe some uh, some of the other Final Fantasy show up, too. Uh, and then the casual noob gamer is asked, is Nate's source that he has access to Xbox YouTube?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do not have any back end access to any YouTube.
0: Yeah, no, that's not Nate's. That was uh, that, that those people believe the snitch's source was. <laughs> Was oh, back yeah. into YouTube yeah. with trailers. <laughs> like what was
1: it practical paintbrush or something on Reddit a few years ago?
0: Yeah. So I I don't really know if they just they know somebody who's working at YouTube or what, and they can see the back end with the descriptions. Or I don't know. There's a lot of theorizing as to how exactly that goes down, um, but hmm. that's uh, not Nate's. That's not Nate's source. Not Nate's no, source. I don't.
1: I, I don't even know how you achieve that. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I I I would like to think that there could be more green lighting taking place if they if they're able to take advantage of other platforms alongside of game pass and and xbox but (laughs) you know i I, i'm curious why do you think the media missed on this like this seemed to be missed on pretty badly it feels like Like, all right so the build-up for this was certainly fueled even more so and I've, i've already seen tweets videos live streams the whole thing of people just like why did why were all these reports hitting? This was weird because that certainly took the expectation for this podcast, this business update from Microsoft to like the whole other, like the next level, the next stratosphere. People were throwing Xboxes. Okay. They were taking pictures of their Xbox in trash cans. I mean, they're actually throwing them away. They were trading them in, apparently. They're all this stuff. And we get to this event and everyone's left like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have. Done that on social media or spent all that time on Twitter space or whatever, right? Or just basically freaking out. What's interesting though is do you remember when Hi Fi Rush was first brought up? Well, actually, technically, you brought it up, not necessarily Hi Fi Rush, but a, a what did you 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 did some weird like word salad stuff, it was Hi Fi Rush, basically. Uh, I used some word I said, you know, an acclaimed
1: first party uh-huh. game is going uh-huh. to a competitor platform, and the game was in the game of the year discussion the year in which it released. Mm. Could and people very that quickly realized that was hi-fi rush
0: <laughs> there you go. okay anyway that set off the internet right people were like what how could they move hi-fi rush over now they've announced four games are going over one of them is hi-fi rush we're on the other side of that announcement and people are like whoo that was close
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean I
0: technically mean... they announced more than just hi-fi rush but people were like mm-hmm. okay it wasn't it it actually isn't that bad
1: well, compared to a lot of the hyperbole you saw online, coming down to these four games is kind of moot in comparison.
0: Well, was it... Okay, so I was trying to figure out then why Microsoft was waiting so long. It it actually feels more like a good idea now that people kind of lose it a bit over the idea of Starfield and Indiana Jones, and then they get on the other side, and it's like, oh, it was just High fi Rush. Ah, oh, CFE, okay. Yeah, okay, that's not bad. But it's still like A few weeks ago people were losing it over just just hi-fi rush so uh interesting the way that it all kind of turned turned around i don't know
1: i guess Uh, you could say you know due to the briefing itself the way they presented it the way they explained how they are approaching this maybe calm some of the concerns that people were building up in their head and they were imagining mm -hmm. not to say you know every single thing year was quelled people still have some legitimate concerns and I think Microsoft could have had clearer messaging in how they are going to determine what games go multi-plat in the future I think that's something they should have detailed here that they really didn't touch on but overall I think it was just a case of everyone went to the sky is falling so now when you just have some you know a uh, asteroid ends up falling and making a crater in a small city it's not as bad in comparison to the actual apocalypse
0: i do want to i do want to bring up the game pass stuff that that's clearly still their strategy because game Mm -hmm. pass will continue to get day one games that was a concern also going in is like okay they're gonna start splitting this up are some games gonna go to game pass day one will call of duty be in game pass day one They didn't necessarily touch on that really in fact they didn't mention call of duty at all the only one they brought up was diablo 4 and that is going into game pass uh march 28th so a little over uh, a month and a half or so from now like six weeks it'll be in game pass so that's at least a good start but i still need to see them mention call of duty (laughs) i need to see them say hey new call of duty game is out this holiday say in October and it will be in game Pass day one I think people are going to be somewhat doubtful until it actually happens based on how much we how much money we know it takes to make a call of duty but they said 30 34 million members Nate and I heard that and it seemed like they wanted to Sarah Bond kind of threw it out there and she said a lot of stuff, by the way, that people just they just walk right past. And I was like, hold on. What? You don't want to elaborate on that even a little bit. Uh, but 34 million Game Pass subscribers. That, by the way, does include the Xbox Live Gold that turned into core members added in. So uh, that's not great. That's not good. <laughs> no, it's I, I'm not it's sure ex- people realize that. That's not
1: great. It's more or less flat from the last time we had the report dating back to 2022. I think it means they added in the area of like 400,000 people. yeah, and that's that's really not good. And I mean, you can definitely look at it and say, what has Microsoft released since 2022 That would really drive game pass subscriptions. They maybe thought starfield was going to be that title to really drive the service and it didn't. Now, When you look into 2024, when you have Hellblade, Avowed, Indiana Jones, you could reasonably see an uptick in Game Pass subscriptions, but you still need to provide a quality service to make people want to invest into that type of service. And I'd say right now, for this generation, Microsoft just hasn't had the offerings to really spark any interest in Game Pass as far as getting a mass amount of people you subscribe it's you look at it and say 200 a year but if you have no new games that year that's not a deal it's a deal when you have offerings and microsoft simply hasn't had the offerings
0: yeah it, it does seem like right now game pass growth is just stagnant and it has been for a, a while once they said that number i had to like start thinking about it. I'm like well that's just that's just game pass ultimate member, members and it's like no that's xbox Live gold as well it's like, oh, okay okay well that that's kind of a pro because remember their one of their internal slides again plans change they've said that but they wanted like a hundred million game pass subscribers yes. by 2027 2028 somewhere in that fiscal year and it's like Ugh. whoa okay they they're a little ways off of that right now
1: <laughs> yeah just a uh, smidge just a smidge and i mean it really just comes down to their lineup they haven't had the games to drive those subscription numbers and maybe we're at that turning point maybe 2024 is going to be the year where we get that nice steady flow of releases and people will say it's a lot better for me to invest in game pass than to buy these three four five six games individually at 70 dollars a piece i think that will help microsoft in a way and going into 2025 microsoft also seems like they'll have a strong lineup for software And depending on what they have at the June showcase, they could definitely drive the appeal of Game Pass further. It has just felt as though Game Pass became a bit of a secondary thought to them in the last year or so because they didn't have any first-party offerings to make the service appealing. And you can throw as many day one third-party games as you can on the service. Those games alone aren't going to be a reason enough for you to invest in Game Pass and become a Game Pass ultimate subscriber. You're not going to pay the big bucks just for the random third-party game that you don't know if you're getting until a month before release to begin with. If they were able to announce a game a year in advance, let's just say... What's a significant third-party game coming up that's multi-plat? A
0: third-party game coming up that's multi-plat?
1: yeah you could say Uh, dragon's dogma yeah like if they announced back in september that dragon's dogma 2 was going to be day one on game pass Mm. that might move the needle but you can't announce something like that let's say in february because by then people have already made their pre-orders they've likely already made the decision which platform they're getting it on so if you're going to make third parties as they would have had to do in the past that main reason to drive Game Pass subscriptions, you had to have that day and date major third party and you had to announce Game Pass ambitions the moment you announced the game for your platform. And we just so never saw that.
0: So Charlie Charlie Thompson brings up a good point, that Call of Duty should increase Game Pass numbers. And I'll agree, if they get that on, if like, as we assume, and again, they double down, games will be going into Game Pass day one. Yes, I feel like with that and the marketing, it should, uh, it should yeah. pump up Game Pass numbers.
1: On the surface level, I agree with you, but then I also would disagree because we are four years deep into this generation. Mm. You have likely staked your claim in which platform you're playing Call of Duty on at this point. And if like that casual audience, if the only game you play is Call of Duty, why would Mm. you get Game Pass? Mm. Why spend more money to... Gain access to games you're not playing versus just spending $70 and having the one game you play for a year. Because yeah, by that logic, important. you'd say having EA play part of Game Pass should drive subscription numbers as well, because you get Madden, you get NHL, you get UFC, you get all those sports games. And we did not see an uptick when EA Play joined the service.
0: Then Fransby says, uh, had to unsubscribe from Game Pass after they increased the regional pricing here in Argentina. That's the other thing with subscription services they 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 cust they mm-hmm. edit them they customize them and pricing moves and as we saw recently uh was it amazon they removed certain features that you had before just mm-hmm. flip of a switch so that's that's that is i think there's still some apprehension to jump right into subscription services because uh honestly some of the trust just in general for subscription services kind of lost a bit kind of lost a bit after what we've seen mm-hmm. Uh, and then Colossus "Seems early to say Game Pass is doomed when the 2024 and ABK stuff is still incoming. If Game Pass is still stagnant after that, then yeah, that's bad." I here, so here's the here's the situation with Game Pass, and I'm also gonna say, kind of the situation with the the industry as a whole right now, because Phil Phil Spencer did bring this up, and he just kind of threw it out there, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong in in like. <clears throat> The idea of this i i am curious if his uh his what he believes is going to be the end result is correct but the idea that exclusives for any one console is something that maybe five or even 10 years from now just won't be as prevalent as it is now and so the reason i i think he's saying this and it does make sense if you look at the numbers and i, I will say after seeing sony's recent financial report i'm starting to. I'm starting to believe that this is something that they're going to have to deal with soon themselves. Uh, The console market, if you just go by console numbers, as in I'm talking about systems that are just a box you put on your TV, this hybrid concept from Nintendo is still pretty new to the industry. And that's a whole other thing we'll get into for Microsoft's hardware section, but the console market is either stagnant or actually shrinking, believe it or not. And in fact, I don't think the PS5 is going to outsell the PS4, and I don't think the Xbox series is going to outsell the Xbox One. So it, it's it's just going to shrink this generation, which is kind of a problem when you either need to find more Game Pass subscribers or in mm-hmm. Sony's case, you need to find more money from your same customers. So yeah, I'm, I mean... I'm not really sure what the, what the solve is for that other than we need to start looking outside of playstation or even looking outside of xbox consoles to figure this out Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i mean that's why you saw sony invest in pc that's why sony has their ambitions to get more of their games on pc and ideally get them in a more timely manner because they need that revenue we've seen the budgets of a game like spider-man 2 we've seen the potential budget of spider-man 3 I believe Spider-Man 3's leaked budget was in the area of $500 million. That's a it's lot. It's going to
0: be a lot. It's going to be
1: a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of money. That's a lot to recoup. And at some point, it's that's not sustainable for your platform, especially as an exclusive release. You need that PC market to come in and really offset some of that. And with Microsoft bringing certain games, multi-plat. You have the revenue from Game Pass. Now, if you have multi-plat revenue also coming in, that can offset development costs and you still just have that, let's call it free money, coming in from Game Pass subscribers or even Xbox purchases. So Microsoft could use Nintendo and Sony as the way to cover that development cost. That's a smart business strategy if it works. It's still a gamble. We don't know if it's going to work for them. But if it works, that's a smart move. And eventually, Sony's going to have to consider: Are we going to do day and date on PC? Do we have to take some of our service games, like a Hell divers, and bring that to an Xbox or a Nintendo platform? Because we need that install base. We need microtransaction purchases to offset the development cost of this game. All of these conversations will be happening at Sony. Nintendo, I would exclude for the moment, only because they are a very different company. They're not making games in the areas of $300, 500000000 million yet. Sony has to address this probably within the next five to 10 years. Well, based on the
0: CFO's comments, I, I think they're going to be addressing it very soon, the way he was talking about it. He's the numbers guy, chief financial officer, Hiroki-Totoki. He's not there to make artistic pieces he's he's there to make the numbers make sense so uh that's their operating income i was a little surprised on that so that's gonna be be interesting to see what their solve is for that one georgie did say i wanted to go up get some of the other super chats (laughs) georgie said we'll laugh at you when xbox sales fall further i think xbox sales are going to actually go in the opposite direction not the consoles like number of consoles i think they're overall revenue is just going to increase as they go along. And that's Mm -hmm. basically what they care about. I think they're going to end up being a massive publisher in the future. That's going to be their big goal is like, we're going to be the biggest publisher in gaming. And that means they'll put their stuff on PlayStation and switch as well. That's it. They just care about the, they care about the operating income more than anything.
1: Yeah. They care about overall income and like, yes, the Xbox series hardware is on decline. Nobody's going to deny that, but it's what's to come in the future. Depending on how they approach things, let's say they have that handheld skew, which we'll get into later, their next-gen planning could be very ambitious, could be very exciting. They could find success once again. It's not doomsday for the Xbox. People really have to accept that the Xbox is not dying
0: spyro says what about activision titles like spyro or crash oh for like multi-platform that those are absolutely i actually think i think those are going to be multi as well those are those have playstation and nintendo written all over uh-huh. them. Also. like i feel like they're just going to put the, that everywhere pc doesn't matter just yeah you put those it.
1: games everywhere and you just reap the rewards of however many copies they sell you're not going People to deprive spyro game.
0: spyro sold well like the yeah. um the the reignited trilogy it's over 10 million copies. Mm-hmm. That's yeah,
1: pretty those good. Those games those games will do very well going multi-plat and Microsoft will look at which systems make sense for those style of games and then make that determination. And ideally when those games are announced, Microsoft is transparent and say, here's a new Spyro game coming to Xbox Switch, and PlayStation. Don't leave it up to interpretation or mystery. Come right out and announce the multi-plat intent of the game. And if you want to keep it timed exclusive for three months, let it be known in the immediate. Just say it on the onset. Don't have people having to speculate, oh, is it going multi-plat, then announce it six months later after giving some vague PR statement of, well, it's exclusive for now. Just announce the multi-plat intent with those type of titles. Because I don't think anyone would be upset to see Spyro or, you know, a Crash Bandicoot game go multi-plat. I would say the expectation is they will be multi-plat.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think anyone would lose their mind if those were, had the PlayStation and the Nintendo logo next to it. Uh, Georgie says, Nate, you, oh, they got a cloud. The cloud emoji is actually more detailed than you'd expect. Nate, you clown emoji. How does Tim Dog see through this and not you?
1: What is there to see through? You're you're talking about a hypothetical doomsday scenario where these things could happen. Could they happen? Yes. But why are you assuming that's going to be the absolute truth? Why are you unwilling to entertain that that may not happen? There can be other alternatives. There can be other outcomes. You're fixated on Xbox is over. Phil has betrayed the brand. Step aside from your own fanboyism and entertain the possibility that... Microsoft and Xbox actually know how to do business and they know what they're doing here.
0: Straw Hat Gaming says exclusives don't sell consoles. They're all mostly playing COD, Fortnite, or Minecraft, or free-to-play games on PSN. The console sales and game sales don't match.
1: Hmm.
0: What do you think, Nate? You think it's all Minecraft, Fortnite, Call Call of Duty, or free-to-play games on PSN? I will say I do think that the PlayStation has kind of fit into this section as being a default system where your friends have it. So you get it. And Mm -hmm. I saw that that was brought up actually quite a bit on X or Twitter this past week when they mentioned that uh, they had to cut their forecast. And uh, the PlayStation 5 got a lot of heat this past week for some reason. I don't know if it was because people were like, how are we already in the... They said latter stages, but really it's latter half, which, yeah, we're about to be three and a half years in. And they're like, hey, there's no world exclusives and stuff for the system. And I did think to myself, I'm like, well, I feel like people are just buying PlayStation for like Call of Duty and Madden. And it, it's like the default system for gamers right now.
1: I mean, people, you definitely buy hardware for exclusives. And then it's just the titles like a Madden, Fortnite, a Minecraft you play with your friends on that platform that your friends are on and that typically is what drives some of your decision making into what platform you're going to play but given so many of these games are also available on phones today you don't necessarily have to buy an xbox or a playstation to play you know roblox with a friend play it on a tablet so if you are a big fan of Gears of War, you're still going to pick up an Xbox, and then you're going to play Minecraft on your phone with your friend. So it's it's a very different industry than what you and I grew up with. Where if we wanted to play SOCOM with a friend, we had to buy a PlayStation PS2. Two. Yeah, that was our yeah. only option. If we wanted to play Madden online, and our options were PlayStation Two or an Xbox, I guess I, if you had I one Xbox, system, yeah. like. <laughs> It's just a very different industry now. Like while those free to play games are definitely major movers and have huge install base and tons of people playing them. I don't know if they alone are what drive hardware. They play a factor in it to a select percentage of the audience, but I would say the majority of the audience is still determining the hardware of interest based on at least to a certain degree, the exclusives that they have, because that's what entices you to hardware.
0: Yeah, especially Nintendo leverages that really, really well. But they also have like basically the strongest intellectual properties in gaming. It's Nintendo. You know, they got Pokemon, Mario, Zelda. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, Animal Crossing, the biggest Splatoon. So the list goes on and on for them. Whereas Microsoft, I feel like at this point, is just like, you know, we have all these avenues to deliver games. Let's just do that and just make money. That's at the end of the day what Microsoft is is a software company. But They did say they also I think you're going to see I think in the next five to ten years when a PlayStation game comes out like first party one, I I do believe it's just going to be PC and PlayStation five or six day one. I think once Sony gets all their stuff figured out for porting and having it there ready to roll like optimized, I think that's just how it has to be for them because the games are not getting cheaper. And I don't know about you, Nate, but I feel like if they start announcing hundred dollar games, that's going to be a problem for them.
1: Yeah, if we see $100 games, it's going to be a major reaction by the whole gaming community. I'd say $70 are probably pushing it for some people. $100, you're going to have a lot of people pause and say, I really have to want this game day one. Otherwise, I will wait six months and wait for that. Even a 30% discount at that point just brings you to $70. (laughs) So...
0: But I I do think uh, with the Xbox 360, that was probably the peak we'll ever see for console sales of an Xbox at that like 86, 87 million mark, somewhere in there. Uh, Because I I think after the Xbox One and what we're seeing now with it tracking behind that, I feel like uh, unless Microsoft has some crazy idea for hardware, I, I feel like they're just on to, okay, how many people can we get? these games in front of uh, the case by case basis, of course, which that is the biggest drawback, I think for their podcast, they weren't very open about how they're going to decide which games in the future. Let's say if these do well, we'll go to other platforms. So they still need to follow up on that and they still need to have some confidence in game pass for something like Call of duty, but June showcase. So maybe that's where they do it. Maybe that's where they do it. Well, while they were going through their podcast, Nate, they did bring up, new hardware so microsoft is at least in it for another generation which to me means that they will have hardware and they'll be creating it and manufacturing it and developing it probably at least for the next uh the next 10 to 12 years i'd say minimum and then who knows what 2035 looks like but they will be they will be creating xbox systems and in fact during this during this podcast sarah bond as she's going through because she is uh head of hardware for Xbox she mentioned that their next gen device is in development now and it will be the biggest technical leap we've seen for generations and people are trying to figure out what exactly she's like trying to wrap their mind around that okay the biggest technical leap because when we hear that we immediately go to graphics visuals worlds you can draw out for like Mm -hmm. the open areas that sort of thing i i kind of feel like she's hinting at something else but what's your what was your take on this one because by the way this was one of the things where if i was hosting this and i know they have predetermined like questions and it's all it's all laid out ahead of time and scripted. i i get that right i'd be like hold on what it, what we're just we're okay we're going right past that all right like it, it seemed like such a big thing to say and then not follow up on at all
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that aspect of the presentation was really just for theatrics but to me those words are just pure marketing buzz. It's I mean, nothing without it. context. I <laughs> without context, it doesn't mean anything. Remember the what was it? The tagline for the Series X was the most powerful hardware on Earth.
0: Most powerful we, console.
1: Yeah, it's we've certainly monster. seen those benefits, haven't we? <laughs>
0: yeah, well, yeah, the, when you compare it to the, the PS5 being the lead platform for a lot of developers, yeah, you, you see them getting a lot out of that compared to the mm. Xbox Series, Series X anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, so those those types of words right now, because they have no meaning, there's nothing behind it. It just feels, yeah, we're going to make something really powerful. Cool.
0: I, I think they're going a different direction with this, Nate. I think uh, based on the way the world is moving right now, and I have to assume that this next system has been in development for multiple years at this point. I mean, let's say they do launch this thing holiday 2026, or maybe even 2027, because I remember that was the rumor, right? Oh, they're going to jumpstart the next generation. I think mm-hmm. it's something that's forming right now. And I kind of feel like it's it's AI induced, as in somehow AI will be part of their next system and it's going to be hard for us to wrap our minds around now because i feel like every time i turn around this ai tech these algorithms they just keep getting more and more advanced and apparently this latest thing where you can write stuff down and it'll create video for you and it looks way better than it should based on those examples was developed or part of the the development team behind it was like chat gpd5 or whatever who also worked on it so now they have ai working on ai tools and uh that i feel like in some way they're going to introduce this and it's going to be almost like an ai assistant and then your your system your xbox whatever it is just learns and i don't say becomes aware but creates a rapport and a history with you over time and is able to do things like hey if you can't beat something it'll help you through it it, it it's, it's going to be it's so hard to describe what they could come up with in that sense. But they have like specific processors that are designed to accelerate AI tasks. And that's what AMD and NVIDIA and Intel and Qualcomm are all rushing to try to figure out. And that's one of the reasons AMD stock or NVIDIA stock will not stop going up because they're like the big bet right now. So I feel like there's more to that arm slide that uh, Microsoft had thrown around internally as I feel like the combination of arm an arm chips that they go to cloud computing and some sort of acceleration chip for AI all working together would probably give us the biggest techno leap we've ever seen in gaming for console generations.
1: It could potentially, and AI will definitely play a role in these next generation machines. I guess it's just going to be a question of how prevalent the role is. It, it feels like maybe Microsoft just wanted to generate a little bit of hype and get people talking about the next gen plans, but we're still well, a ways off as far as if what if you know
0: Nate? What if what if you create your own AI avatar, right? that basically becomes like your 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 friend or your partner as you go around oh through all these different uh different games and experiences and get this it's 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 backed by the cloud so wherever you go you have your own like Jarvis from, uh, from, from Iron Man or something that follows you between your phone and your game console and your TV and your computer. I don't need that. I I just, and you can give it any voice you want. So you could have Homer Simpson hanging out with you, Nate, helping you through like, uh, the next, um, the next elder scrolls or something.
1: No, I don't, I don't need anything like that. I just want, I want good games. I don't need an AI assistant walking with me through my games. and.
0: Yeah, what if your AI assistant could become an NPC in Grand Theft Auto no. 7 or something? Sometimes
1: doing the simple things can lead to success. Look at the Switch.
0: Hey, Cat is back says they'll finally get a friend. See?
1: Well, for those people who need a friend, I will be happy for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, I guess I, they're I, very I, lonely I, I...
1: without their 360 avatars.
0: I, the only thing I hope for them is they don't have another Xbox One Connect or Xbox One TV 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 moment with this, because this this sounds like one of those situations where Microsoft could introduce something way before people are ready to accept it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, but... I, I,
1: ideally they're approaching this very smart. They're looking at things that are practical that will allow some innovations and creativity. Because it feels as though Microsoft has been following the same path as Sony, they're just not doing it as well as Sony due to their first party software output. So deviate from that path, start getting creative, start taking risks. Because when you look at the genesis of the Xbox line, the original Xbox, Xbox 360, Microsoft was a risk taker. They took gambles, they innovated, they in a way paved the way for the industry it is today. And instead of setting new trends, they've just become content with moderating them. Go back to what made you great. Go back to what we invested in the, three, in the Xbox for. Like we were there for the original Xbox. We were there for the 360 at launch. And when we look back at those days of the Xbox, they are days of excitement. There was so much innovation coming from the company and the hardware and the software that we are not seeing today from the company. Go back to your roots. And you can find success once again.
0: Well, I know as as long as we don't have voice activation, where if you get killed in Call of Duty by Xbox off, your system would not just turn off. You
1: yeah, really but that led know. to some great moments. <laughs> well, yeah. So it was pretty funny seeing all those videos.
0: Yeah. So suffice to say, Georgie, Xbox is around for at least another uh, at least another generation. So. We can revisit it in 2035 but they will they will be around (laughs) they will be here i do want to also mention as part of this nate with the hardware stuff phil spencer he keeps he keeps hinting at this uh this handheld thing okay he's brought it up multiple times he's been questioned about it as recently as an interview, I believe with uh, the verge, or they at least ask questions. And he says, there's nothing to announce at this time, but that the hardware department, they're looking at all kinds of different unique ideas. They're going to have new hardware announcements to share for the holiday. By the way, I think that's just, I feel like that's that Sybil controller. That's that would be my guess, but it, it keeps coming up. Rumors do about this handheld and, Phil Spencer's a big fan of handhelds. Do you think Microsoft actually takes a swing at that one? 100%. You do. You think they actually make their own uh-huh. handheld, like their own hardware? And then it's like uh, oh. Xbox OS-based, so it looks like my Xbox here, but just on a handheld.
1: Whether they make it or they partner with someone, I think could be debated, but I 100% think we see an Xbox-branded handheld come to market.
0: Mm. xbox brand handheld okay. It, it, okay
1: yeah whether you partner with someone to do it or you know if they do it internally but somehow we will have a handheld xbox at some point it's too big of a market for them to you know ignore
0: i feel like they got to keep it in house in general like they have to there was i know there was talk about the surface team doing stuff to my understanding after i looked into that the surface team has already helped with xbox anyway so it's not like it'd be a a new thing for some of the people from that mm-hmm. department to come over and give input for xbox like they just d- right. they would collaborate anyway but obviously surface would have understanding of okay layout for a battery internally that, that like where okay how would we cool the thing that sort of stuff would at least have they already have knowledge of that i think you keep it internal i don't think you bring in an, an asus or uh, an msi or i think you just do it all there you kind of take apple approach where they have their ecosystem that's tied into their hardware and uh, you just kind of run with it from there lean into the you notice they did say a lot of cross save cross progression xbox anywhere during that podcast it almost feels like that is set up beautifully for a handheld that would pair with your xbox
1: Mm -hmm. yeah because you'd have just even now if you use your Rog ally or anything and you play game pass you know it has your save it has your achievements? It has all of that information from your profile. So if Microsoft can make a native handheld and you can play the current gen games on it, it's just a natural evolution of what their uh, basically what their vision already is. Have Xbox on every screen. Mm-hmm. Just make it an official Xbox handheld. Don't rely on a RA- a rog ally or a Steam Deck or a Lenovo. Put out your own so people have you know trust in it that it's not a you know a finicky device where you have to fine tune every setting and make sure the battery life is good and go through. No, just make it another development profile and get it out there. And there's an audience for that. Not saying it would sell a hundred million units, but it can carve itself a nice path. And if they go into the next gen with a flagship traditional stationary console
0: I'll be i'll be real if they if they market that thing as a hybrid and then it comes out like that i i think uh i think it's i think, it, I think it this generation with the
1: series x and the series s
0: oh i lost you for a minute nate that's why i started talking mm. <laughs> i'm sure you made a great point and i'm sure the audience loved it i did not hear any of that uh <laughs> I I do think, though, if they come out with a high it's a hybrid, Nate. like They actually play it up as you can dock it. It shows up on your TV or you can take it with you. I actually wouldn't be shocked if that outsold the Xbox system. It would surprise me if it's priced well. And by well, it's, I mean between $400 and
1: $500. If it's priced well, I think they also have to address how they would distribute media. If there is a game card similar to the Switch, I think that would definitely aid in its reception and people would have a higher point of interest versus a digital only device
0: mm. yeah so I, I I the handheld I think will be in ne- I feel like that's next I feel like they launch the next system and then they also have the handheld with it like you do the two-tier approach especially if they wander into the AI the realm of AI that would be something that would probably be built on board the the handheld what if their next mm-hmm. system was just a handheld a hybrid system That'd be crazy. What if they were like it and when it's docked, it taps into the cloud and provides additional power, whatever they have to do to make it work. I don't know. That would be interesting if they could figure that one out.
1: That is a high risk maneuver. If they did that strictly as their system. But I think, I think as a complementary role, and that's like make your flagship standalone hardware. Like you did this generation with the series X, just make the handheld the equivalent of a Series S, just more yeah. capable. Don't shortchange it in RAM or anywhere else to make sure you can get the ports just at lower spec without making it a nightmare for partners to develop for.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think if people got a, a even a Steam Deck equivalent, because the ROG Ally is uh, more expensive, obviously, but if you got a Steam Deck equivalent in that four to $500 mark and it had Game Pass and access to your digital library you currently have, I, I feel like that would be I think people would be pretty satisfied with that I, i'd pick one up i think it'd be really cool would, i'd like especially because i assume they would have like your xbox controller kind of uh kind of molded to it somewhat maybe it has some like handles coming out of the back of it or something a uh, little bit so just to help grab it i that's the one thing that microsoft is is very good at is there is the controller ergonomics so i would mm-hmm. uh, i would like to see what they could do with maybe the shell of a handheld and, and figure that one out i actually think i think microsoft sony and nintendo in like what it's uh 2020. I feel like in four years' time, we're gonna look around and all three of these companies are gonna have some sort of handheld or hybrid on the market. <laughs> and we're gonna be going back yeah. to the old days.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it's just too big of a market to ignore at this point. And it's largely because individuals don't have the time to sit and play a game in front of a television. They want that secondary option of being able to play a game in their leisure, be it sitting in bed on a commute and we just have the technology to really make these games just as good as they are while playing at home whereas when you and i were younger the handheld games were so inferior to a console experience but as the Mm -hmm. switch the steam deck the rog ally and such have all proven you can get a console experience in handheld form so embrace that direction you can still make your super high powered stationary console if you want but having that complimentary handheld there definitely opens up a new market for your platform and all three should embrace that it's just a question of how do you approach it which partner do you go with to equip it with the technology to run these games and what price are you going to put it at and how big is it because battery life is going to play a huge role in the appeal as well you can't come in with a 45 minute battery life like a sega handheld over there where we're popping in and out batteries that would cost us far too much money you have to just come in with a practical piece of hardware that is appealing to the base and as the games are there be very successful i mean a handheld with game pass officially made and marketed by microsoft that's a pretty damn appealing piece of tech
0: yeah, because if they can't, they can't seem to get Game Pass on anything else. They can't get it on Steam even. So at this point, you just got to make the hardware and, and ship it and get people on Game Pass that way. And maybe the convenience factor of a hybrid or a handheld, which has shown to be really successful for Nintendo at this time, and in a way has worked really well for Valve. Even though I think the Steam Deck's probably sold, uh, I don't know, like three or four million systems. I, it's not like a stupid amount or anything, but for Valve. They're, they're, they seem thrilled with it, you know, how they're doing there. So Yeah, I, it's, it's I carving its
1: own little audience. It's doing well for what it was made to do.
0: Yeah, so I I, I feel like convenience like that would win out. And Microsoft, as I mentioned, they, they might be on a side. Whenever they randomly do something like that and it takes off, they do lean into it quite heavily. Look what happened with the Connect. So they, so I that's why I say if it, if it did really well, I don't know. It, it seems like maybe they go, do people need this? box under their TV anymore? Could they just could they just use a handheld and you plug it in and there you go it's it's set up. Maybe Nintendo's on to something. Uh, well. Yeah we'll I mean say. I think
1: everyone has taken note of what Nintendo's done and it's just a question of hey do we want to make a, a hybrid style device or would we prefer just making a lower spec handheld type of device that is still more than equipped to handle current gen games of whatever generation the product comes out in. you just have to make that call because if you did a traditional console with the handheld you'd have individuals like us who would buy both because we want that convenience of the handheld but we also want the high fidelity visuals of the traditional console so they would get double dippers buying essentially the same product twice versus a hybrid you'd only need to make one purchase
0: well, I mean, the, Microsoft also has the entitlement. They said entitlement instead of ownership, buying games. They get entitlements. I mean, technically that would work across <laughs> all their stuff as well. Windows, uh-huh. if you have it on PC, then Xbox, then also your handheld, your phone. They can never get that app store up and running. But they, uh, they, they're. I think they're just looking forward and seeing how the gaming industry is kind of flatlined a bit. And I think this is something that I mean, Nintendo, they're going to be fighting with their own success in four or five years anyway from this generation where they have to try to somehow overtake it with their next generation. It's good luck with that. But, uh, again, not a bad problem to have to be like, we, we just sold so many systems and we're trying to get to 160 million with this next one. It's like, uh, but with, uh, with Sony, they're definitely, they're definitely realizing it right now after some of those comments recently and Microsoft based on their actions right now have also realized it. So gaming is going to be, uh, this, we're this in a transitionary phase yeah.
1: yeah, we're in a transitionary phase, and it's just a question of what is this transition going to lead to. Yeah, Microsoft. I, I'd like. Is, yeah, I mean, Microsoft is well in their transition. They're looking to a future that many people haven't quite grasp the reality of, and they're not sure if this is a smart direction for the company to take. But Microsoft is looking to explore. They're looking to expand in a way that is inherently risky, but also has high reward. Sony has begun their branching out with PC. Nintendo is the only one saying, we exist on this one device. And that's yeah. where we're staying. Eventually, Nintendo will have to make a change. It's just not in the immediate future. It might be in you know 2030, 2035, at a time where I probably won't care
0: well uh, gaming is going to be interesting over the next 10 years and i, I don't think it's going to be very recognizable by 2035 to where we are now so we'll uh we'll, we'll see we'll see that but yeah i mean that was xbox's podcast is built up to be this game changing monumental shift and it kind of wasn't so <laughs> i think a lot of people came out the other side like oh that wasn't so bad they went to the doctor expecting surgery and they got a shot so, there you go.
1: Is that necessarily but, a bad thing?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think I I don't think so personally. Like, but if I'm you sure go into your doomsday,
1: at- yeah, they they went to their doomsday bunker expecting to open it to nuclear fallout, and it was oh.
0: I think there's a lot of people online who also like kind of the drama aspect to it, and that probably yes. disappointed there. You know, it's like it was a bad season finale, right? So <laughs> I, I yeah, can't go that way. So, I guess you could say that. Yeah, but that, and that, was, that was their podcast. They gave us some of an indication for their future, but we'll see more because June, they will have their showcase. So <laughs> yeah, I that mean, to look forward to?
1: that's the thing. I think there are still things that they could have messaged a bit more clear in this podcast. So we just have a better idea of how they will approach multi-plot moving into the future. But generally, I think they came out, they said what they had to say. They reaffirmed that they are in the hardware business, that they will have next-generation hardware. They commented on a lot of the concerns people had. I think the multi-plat approach is the only thing that they could have maybe gone into more detail about how this will be played out in the future beyond these four, and how that selection of games will be made. But that's something they can... Elaborate on maybe further in June when a title be it a Spyro game crash game or whatever gets announced and see if Microsoft is transparent and says switch and PlayStation on the onset of that game being announced. So definitely a few things still to be curious about. But overall, I think Microsoft relayed the information that they had to to assuage any concerns that the majority of the I guess you would say the Xbox base has in present. Still things that they can be concerned with, but generally, you have an idea of where Microsoft is moving into the future, and you can walk away with confidence. You're going to have exclusive games. Next generation hardware is coming. So, things are okay. There's no reason <laughs> to blast the fire alarm. Things are okay.
0: <laughs> and the uh, room's you... not
1: on fire. It's not the dog sitting there with his cup of coffee okay. saying, this is fine. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see in June when they when they announce some games there. Let's 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 talk really quickly about the Tomb Raider Remastered Collection, and we will we will uh, set up the Patreon after show. So if you guys want to come on by, part of the Patreon, you can. We'll hang out, talk about basically whatever. But uh, we we were kicking around some game ideas and stuff here and there too. So we'll we'll just kind of chat about some different things. But Nate, Tomb Raider Remastered one two three, it's out now on uh basically everything i mean like across the board all platforms and i it was interesting to see this kind of unfold online because it turns out there uh there were there were some some pretty big fans of tomb raider behind this project so they seem to go in with the idea of retaining as much of the original spirit as possible and uh, you picked it up what, what do you think about this nate
1: overall really good collection uh the controls even the modern controls aren't perfect the modern controls can introduce some really wild camera reactions in tight spaces Mm -hmm. um i had seen online certain people were finding the uh the upscaled graphics or the modern graphics weren't indicating where items were on the map but you could see them clear as day with the classic visuals so i wonder if that's a glitch because that's kind of annoying that's really not something that should be in a game But overall, as a fan of the Tomb Raider trilogy dating back to the original PlayStation 1 release, I think it's a fine collection. I think it, you know, there's really no major glaring issue that I've encountered so far, but I've only played Tomb Raider 1 right now. But I think it's worth the asking price. I hope a physical edition is made available because I would love to own these games physically. But if you play the original Tomb Raider games, I think there's a lot to love here. I don't know if I would recommend it to anyone unfamiliar with these games though i think their age is made very apparent especially with how obtuse the game is that's something (laughs) we grew up with we just went into the game and we somehow naturally knew how to find things and solve the stage and make progress that a lot of the modern gamer is unfamiliar with so the game might be a bit obtuse for individuals and they might need a guide but yeah a lot of love was definitely put into this project and it's great to go back to these classic games that really help define and make the industry what it is today, at least in that genre.
0: So I, I did play some of it as well. I jumped, I went to the first one and the second one, just kind of jumped between them to try it out. You do have a button that you press and it goes between old graphics and new graphics for on the, I think on PlayStation and I assume on Xbox, it's, it's just like the, the start button basically. And, yeah, you, know, you can jump between. It's funny you can jump between them on the cutscenes as well. They have upscaled them, it seems. Uh, and when you go back to the old one, it looks all compressed and crunchy and and stuff. But as I'm going through it, dude, the original controls are so tough on these newer systems with the with uh, with the Xbox controller or the Dual Sense. It's just the tank controls have not aged great. But when you do modern controls, it it is better. That the platforming and the jumping is. I feel like that's the part of this nate that is going to frustrate newer gamers more than anything is uh, when you run up to a ledge and you just yeah. press jump and she does the whole jump straight up in the air with her hands up and then falls down that is mm-hmm. that's i think something that's going to annoy people quite a bit but it's yeah that's, that's just it's one of the relics generator. of its age it's classic Tomb Raider. I mean, you can still run and jump yeah. and the camera did run into the wall a lot and get stuck. I know what you mean. And sometimes it'll kind of glitch and like do some weird stuff. The shooting is is fine as well. It's it's just kind of it's just it just locks. It's like auto-target, right? If you have like a wolf or a tiger, whatever is in front of you, you start blasting with the dual pistols, it'll mm-hmm. uh it'll lock on fine as long as you're within the general area of like, okay, it's the tiger's over there, it'll it'll kind of find it. You know what I do like about this though, this game going back to it now. And uh, kind of thinking about modern day design. And it's funny because I look, I know people are going to draw their comparisons to Elden Ring as an example. (laughs) There's like no HUD. And I actually think that's great. I, I think, I think it makes the exploration so much better. And it makes me wish that going forward more and more of these developers, these studios would take a cue from that and be like, maybe we don't need 18 different bars or graphics on screen to try, to try to tell you things. I know you mentioned it's obtuse at times because it's like, where do I go? That, there's there's something there where if you just, you could be playing it at night, you know, the light's out, quiet, and you're just kind of going through this. There There's sort of an atmosphere there without trying to overdo it. And it's hard to describe because it's this, you know, PS1 looking game, but it, it's very it's very present. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to kind of go through that again. Now, when Mm -hmm. you're used to all the flashing lights and like markers everywhere and stuff, this is like completely opposite.
1: Yeah. I'd say the trilogy, because it is a product of its time, it was made with that design thought of, we have to take advantage of what we have. So you art direction and just creating atmosphere with such a limited amount of resource really elevated it because you had to convince us that we were in the jungle or in these ruins with such a limited amount of technology. And because it's one of those cases where less is more. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's where that atmosphere really comes through. Where it's like, wow, I really like this versus today where everything is so heavily detailed that it's almost a case of sensory overload because it's too much. This is just that simplistic... Stylized, very pleasant approach that we don't see in modern gaming.
0: I'm not a fan of the menu when you go into options or press uh, the menu button. It's I don't I don't like it. It's like it rotates around. I, I don't think that's worked well for the current day UI or setup. It's it you can kind of I don't want to say get lost in it, but it's it's not as easy as just make a menu and just scroll through it. That, that's that's kind of a small critique, I guess. It, you're right it is hard to recommend this to a newer audience who's never played it before but if you have nostalgia for these games or you're like oh i remember playing that back in the day it's hard to argue with three games completely remastered with new controls and new graphics technically but they don't overdo the graphics it still kind of looks like a ps1 game that they've mm-hmm. added some foliage to and use the tomb raider legend model in there um, but for 30 dollars to me that's pretty good uh i value wise there, there's a lot there then for yeah. Tomb raider fans
1: yeah value wise it's definitely definitely a good price but it yeah i i can't recommend it to someone who hasn't played this trilogy i could see an individual going into this game encountering the controls or just a stage design saying what am i doing? yeah <laughs> and that would be enough for some to quit even the aiming with the guns and such it's so archaic it's it's just a it's love cr- letter too it's very to... crunchy it's very crunchy yeah it's crunchy <laughs> it's primitive but that's what gaming used to be 30 years ago that's yeah. what we grew up on those were the tough it streets is. of gaming
0: it is but it's you know it's <laughs> enjoyable for tomb raider fans and even if you're just curious of the i guess the origins of tomb raider there you go it's a history lesson i guess you can go back through it and and check it out but i guess for newer gamers if they're interested in tomb raider most are gonna go, well, I'll start with Tomb Raider 2013. And you know, that's a good game too. So there you go. You can you can check that one out. But that is that is direct Xbox for to, for today. We are gonna do the the after show over on the Patreon. In fact, the stream is up now. So as we end here, we're just gonna go over to that one and go live and just kind of hang out and chat for a bit. But you know what overall. I, uh, I I am interested to see what Microsoft has at their June showcase and then going forward, especially with our next gen stuff after that tease. So any, any parting thoughts, Nate?
1: Yeah, I'm very, very excited for the future of Xbox to see how they approach everything. I think the June showcase could be their best showcase for this entire generation, if not the last decade. They have a lot of exciting things that they need to provide updates on, and I want to see how they approach it. They also have that mentioned that they would have, you know, the controller new hardware for later this year. So be very curious if that is just the adorably all digital Xbox Series X or and that controller or maybe the handheld is introduced as well. So a lot of exciting times ahead for the Xbox, and I'm glad this briefing has finally happened. We have an idea of their multi agenda moving forward, and people can now just look forward to Hellblade 2 and Indiana Jones this year and enjoy what those games are going to offer. All right.
0: Very good. Very good. Thanks everyone for joining us again. We're going to hop over to the Patreon stream. So if you guys want to come by, hang out for like 20 or 30 minutes, we will be over there and we will see you guys then.